All right, you guys ready to hear a message? Just kidding, it's not me. <laughs> I would like to introduce to you guys a guest speaker that we have today. His name is Marcus Burkeen. Um, he's been in ministry for 33 years, including eight as a senior pastor and on staff at Gateway Church for 22 years. He now has a leadership in coaching and consulting practice in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and continues to serve pastors and churches across the United States. So can we give a warm welcome to Pastor Marcus. Appreciate it. Thrive, it's good to be with you today. I uh, have, have really grown fond of uh, your pastors. Uh, Nathan and Allie have really become good friends to me. And so I have uh, looked forward to an opportunity to come and, and spend a day with you and worship with you. And so today is that day. And I am uh, honored to be with you. Uh, if you have your Bibles there, you can open to the book of 3rd John. And if you have a hard time finding 3rd John, there's a reason for that. And the reason is because it's one chapter and it's right near the end. It's a third from the, from the last. It's two, two ahead of Revelation. So uh, we'll put it up on the screen here. But uh, you guys are in a series on discipleship. And uh, it's a big deal. Discipleship is a big deal. And I'm going to show you why it's a big deal here in just a second. But I remember when I started going to church, and uh, it occurred to me one day that I, th I think maybe I have been misled about Christianity. Because I hear people talk about transformation and change and, and growing in the image of, of Christ. But it seemed to me like my life was more about changing one hour a week on Sunday. And that was about all it got to. And I thought, somebody has not told me the truth about Christianity. If, if the only goal is to get me to church on Sunday, I don't think that's for me. I really don't think that, I'm not interested in, in a, a new habit, a Sunday habit. And, and for, for a lot of my time, my life really felt like this kid. I want to show you this video here. This is a, a, a four-year-old. Watch, watch this kid. He's on his way. This is Monday morning, and he's on his way, and he just, no, I can't do it again. I can't do it. And we need some help, don't we? We all need a little help, somebody that'll get us where we need to be. That's the Monday blues. And it just seemed like life for me was, was moving that direction instead of what I found in the Scripture. And I thought, God, you know what? If I'm, if I'm going to do this, I want, the, I want the whole thing. I don't want a, a scaled-back Sunday 9 a.m. version of whatever it is you have. I want the whole thing, or I'm not, I'm not going to start it at all. And so, as I began to read in, in, this is Matthew 28, this is what Jesus said. Beginning in verse 16, he said, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Here, this is important. But some doubted. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things that Jesus did not say. He didn't say, go build a large church. He didn't even say, go win people to Jesus. Here's what he said, go make disciples. So it assumes people are coming to faith in God. But a lot of times the way churches function is, is that they use people to build a big church rather than using the church to build big people. And that's what God is after. The purpose of Thrive Church is not to use you to make a big church. That's not what Nathan and Allie are about here. The goal is big people. You, growing up big on the inside. And that means enough faith to live for God, to manage your life, to be a person that, that walks around Athens, Texas like Christ would if he were here. That's, that's the goal here. But he never, he never said, go build a big church. And so most churches attempt to do this in the weekend service. And so the only approach to discipleship that most churches have is what happens from 9 to 10, 15 on Sunday morning. And I'm telling you, it won't work. It won't work. This won't grow you into a disciple. And if this is your only goal to do that, it's just a matter of time until you're frustrated and you think, I got to go find a different church. Well, the church you're in is really not the problem. The problem is that, that we, we try to disciple people with an altar call and a sinner's prayer. And, and you understand the sinner's prayer is nowhere in the Bible. Okay? Not in the Bible. Now, I'm, let me just say, I've said the sinner's prayer. I'm not against the sinner's prayer. But I want you to think about it this way. The prayer is the wedding. Discipleship is the marriage. The prayer is the wedding. And it is possible to say a prayer and not follow Jesus. It's possible to come to church and yet not follow Jesus. And what God is after is people who will follow Jesus. Now, let me just tell you, I'm going to say some unpopular things today. I already have, and I'm not finished yet, okay? God is an acquired taste. He's an acquired taste. And the reason why is because if you think that God's job is to make you happy, 
just buckle your seatbelt. Because at some point, you will accuse God of not Godding very well. Because <laughs> he, he won't get in line with our agenda. That's not what his goal on the earth is. And in fact, a lot of the things that he does and doesn't do are going to upset you. And you're going to have to decide, is this the God that I want? Now, the trouble is there's not another one, okay? So this is, this is creator, and he has great things in mind for you and me. But it won't all unroll the way you and I think it will. And so as we walk, walk it out with him, it's called discipleship. But let me just tell you, it's easy to get saved. It's hard work to grow up in God. And I'm not talking about hard work like religion. Just doing more, getting busy for Jesus. That's not what, that's just dead religion. It doesn't work. Okay? Not even, it's not even the goal in Scripture. It's easy to get saved. It's hard to grow. And it takes a lot of faith. But the, the value of a human soul can be measured by what it loves. And if you think, if you stop and think right now about what your soul loves, and you can discern what that is by where you spend most of your time. The value of a human soul is found in what it loves. And it takes some intentionality to love God. Now, let me just tell you, he'll be the kindest person you've ever met. He'll, he'll be the greatest person you've ever known and walked with. But there'll be some days when you say, God, I don't get it. And he'll say, it's okay. You don't have to. Because he gets it. All right? So, um, I'm going to read one scripture before we get to 3 John. And it's a profound statement that Paul makes in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Here's what he said. Therefore... We do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. But are we? Are we being renewed day by day? I think a lot of, a lot of Christians are not renewing very well and one of my greatest burdens is seeing christians whose souls are joyless and tired and not excited and so i want to call your attention just for a moment to third john and we're going to read verse two but but i want to highlight something that it says that that often um, charismatics 
emphasize the wrong thing. Okay? So this is 3 John, and this is verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. Now, I want you to watch those two little words, just as. Just as. And I want to ask you this question. Today, would you want someone to pray this prayer over you? And here's the prayer. That everything else in your life would get along as your soul does. So that your, your finances would be exactly as healthy as your soul is. That your physical health would be exactly as healthy as your soul is. That all of your relationships would be exactly as healthy as your soul is. Would you want someone to pray that prayer over you? Because I have days where I think, good night, you know, I hope, I hope my relationships are healthier than my soul. I hope my physical body is healthier than my soul is. I hope my finances are more healthy than my soul. I don't want those to equal my soul. And I wonder what God thinks when he looks upon a people who are joyless and unhappy and trudging through life. And I wonder if he thinks, you know, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that you might have life abundantly. Some of your translations say to the full. And so here's the first point today. Is let's be honest. Let's be honest. I want you to be honest today in church. This should be a good, safe place for you and me to be honest, right? Here, here's the question. How's your soul? How you doing? Not the, great, how are you? No, no, no. I want you, before God, to answer this question. How you doing? How you doing? Is it well with your soul? I think that's a good question. Because in some way, the soul is the very center of who we are. It's the part that God fills. Psalm 42, verse 1 says, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So your soul longs for connection, communion, with God. You were, you were made, one writer said, with a God-shaped hole in your heart, and nothing else can fill it. And so a lot of times, these, the, the deepest pain that we have is like, is like working all day and being hungry and physically needy of good food and nourishment. And we can... We can satisfy the hunger 
with a bag of chips and a Coke. And the hunger pain's gone. We can even feel full. But how would you be doing? What if you did that every day? What if you did that for a year? You realize that that wouldn't be healthy. I'm not knocking nobody can eat just one, okay, here. Coke, I, man, I, I love the, the taste of it. But very much of it, it's going to rot your teeth, wreck your, your blood sugar, you know. And it's, it's just not healthy. And the reason that God made us this way is to understand the way the soul functions. So in the same way you can, you can make the hunger pains go away with unhealthy things, we do the same thing with the soul. And for most people, it's social media and Netflix. And what happens is, is that we're looking for something to laugh at. Because laughter, even the word says, is good medicine. Right? We all, I'd rather laugh than cry. Amen? <laughs> so we're looking for something that we think is funny. And so what, what Hollywood does is they, they put together these shows that are funny, and in it they attach immorality. And we think to ourselves, I'm not doing it, I'm just laughing at it. But what we laugh at makes us feel good. And we wind up eating a bag of chips and drinking a Coke and going to bed and doing it again tomorrow. And, and it's no wonder we wind up like the poor little kid on Monday morning who's on his way to the school bus and just says, I can't do it again. I don't know if you've ever felt like that or not. But, but most people spend their time filling their souls with everything but God. And so Psalm 103 verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, bless the Lord on my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And this is the reason why the enemy is so relentless about the condition of your soul. Because where there is anxiety and probably alcohol abuse and offense and I'm angry and outraged and yelling at people in the car. It's the reason why is because they're exhausted on the inside and, and it's become really the new normal. And the reason why is because our, our culture has normalized a way of life that is toxic to your soul. And that is just normal. Everybody does this. And if you'll allow, may I suggest that for Christians, it's practical atheism. It's practical atheism. 
I've, I've talked to so many people who say, yeah, I'm just, I'm just in a season. Can we just be honest? It's not a season. It's not a season. It's, it's the way we're living life. It's, it's, the, it's the one, we, we haven't necessarily chosen it. It's almost like it chose us. That's how I feel about being a Cowboys fan. <laughs> I didn't choose them. There was never a day I wasn't a Cowboys fan, okay? But is it hard to be a Cowboys fan? I mean, good night. People, somebody asked me, how do you think the Cowboys are going to do Sunday? It depends on who shows up. <laughs> they might do great, or they might not. There's no way to know. But the, the, the lifestyle that, that most of us live is, is, is not one that we would sit back and contemplate and go, I'm weighing out all my options. It seems to me the best way to live my life is going to be this. No, it just feels like, you know what? I got home from work and I was tired. Had a little dinner. I just feel like putting my feet up, man. Let's put on something funny, laugh a little bit. Maybe there's a game on. You know, I'm sad the Rangers are done. You know, sort of, sort of glad that it's, it's over the way it is, but now I got to find something else to watch, you know? So I'm going to look for something that somebody said, now this is a funny show. Watch this. Okay. And it's not, it's not exactly one that I chose, it's just one that I didn't choose not to. And because it tastes good, we wind up five years later feeling like this kid on his way to the bus on Monday morning and going, man, you know, this Sunday thing, church, doesn't work for me. And the reason why is because it was never designed to. But there's good news. Jesus understands. This is Matthew 11. And I want you to hear the offer that he makes today. Verse 28. He says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. He's not offering temporary relief here, but restoration. A way to live that keeps the soul healthy. And today we're calling that discipleship that's what it is god is not just god in heaven he's the shepherd of our souls he moves up close today and says i'm concerned if your soul is weary i'm concerned there's a better way than that he's not going you lazy 
Christian. You're making a bad name for me around town. He says, man, this is not what it is. There's a better way. Psalm 23, we all have heard this one, says this, The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So again, let me just ask you, is it well with your soul today? Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living. And another famous philosopher, Ice Cube, said, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> Saying the same thing. How's your soul? Number two is this. Is my soul undernourished? And if today you would say, I don't think my soul is all that healthy. Here's the reason why. is because of what you're feeding it. It's undernourished. Okay? This is the diagnosis. It's undernourished. And much of the damage is self-inflicted. It's frivolous, empty, poisonous diets that we feed ourselves. And a huge part of the problem is our cell phones. It's our phones. And let me, let me just say, I, I was reading an article. Somebody did a, a survey with a young people about my kids age okay and they're all glued to their phones uh, I wish I could live without one I really do I needed a map to get out here today because uh, I've never I've never been to Athens my first time you have a beautiful little city here I love it I prefer a small town to a big city all day I'm from Abilene out in West Texas and I tell my wife when can we move back <laughs> you know but we, we need it for, for a lot of stuff, but boy, is it handy. Yeah? And, and, and we, we like to stay on it. And there was an a, a interview that I read with a 23-year-old who said, he said, if you're, if you're about to tell me of what the cell phone is doing to me, I don't want to hear it. I know it's true, but I don't care. I'm still going to be on my phone all the time. Okay? So I don't even, I, I keep it out in front of my kids some. But, but let, me, let me tell you a bigger, a bigger thing that's going on with your cell phone. Is that your, your smartphone grabs hold of, of global happenings and, and lists them for you. And your soul was not intended to carry that much grief. 
And when you read it, your brain understands the words, your heart thinks, oh my gosh, Hamas has taken hostages? I can't imagine what they're doing to them. And I guess in some way, it's important that you and I know that. But I, I, can't, I can't fathom. What if it was my wife, my kids, my daughters? And then I, we start imagining, what are they doing? Human shields? Are you kidding me? And this is just one thing all around the world that's happening. You know, the whole COVID fear is back now that it's starting to get cold. And we all knew somebody who died last time. So it's part of it's like, where's this thing headed? And, and we, we read this list of things that are happening globally. All those things are God's job to deal with. But now you and I have to live with knowing it. And your soul was not made by God with the capacity to carry that much grief. There's way too much pain and evil and suffering and hate and anger in one second deposited. And it's not good for your soul to be sucked into the distractions the imaginations it causes. Have you, ever, have you ever finished reading, scrolling Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is that you do, or, or reading this list of global news and thinking, well, I just feel so good and refreshed in God. Won't happen. It can't happen. Because our souls are overgorged and undernourished. Sheep need a diet that's nurturing. And here's what Psalm 19 says, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. So I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I'm not holding myself out as your model, Okay. But I got off social media. I can't do it. It's, it's way too much for me. And I grew to a place where I wasn't really comfortable being alone and quiet before God. So Augustine said this, we must empty ourselves of all that fills us if we want to fill ourselves with that of which we're empty. And so let me just ask you again, is your current diet sufficient to sustain a healthy soul? Because one of the reasons that God gave us souls is because embedded in your soul is the ability to grow wise. And what wisdom is, is the ability to step away 
from a situation and say, I don't like where this is going. And I'm going to shift. And I'm going to do something else instead. And, and I know every year it's coming up again, New Year's resolutions. We all make New Year's resolutions, and typically within 14 days, we've already missed it, okay? The reason why is because we don't change our habits. Change our goals, but we didn't change our habits, and all the stuff we've been doing that got us to where we are, we continue. So it's a highway that doesn't lead where we say we want to go. And wisdom says, I'm going to change some habits. That's part of the wealth of your soul. So let me ask you, is, this is number three, is my soul over-anxious? I don't know if you've been around sheep very much, but for, for us to be called sheep, it's not a compliment, okay? It's accurate, but you know a sheep can drown in a rainstorm by looking up, okay? That's not very smart, <laughs> but that's a sheep. That's what I am, and that's what you are. If you're ever around sheep very much, they're skittish, they're nervous, and the reason why is because there's predators everywhere. Sheep's a sitting duck for almost anything, and for you and me, the world is full of things to worry about. This is the Harper Collins word of the year for nineteen for uh, twenty twenty two is perma crisis. Now, just think about that, perma-crisis. Think about 22. Think about what led up to this being HarperCollins' Word of the Year, pandemic. Politics don't even get us started on politics. Ukraine, racial tension, inflation, climate problems, it is one thing after another. And you cannot live where those things are absent. There's predators everywhere. Sheep cannot build a world that is free from predators. So there's only one solution. This is Matthew 11. This is Jesus again. He says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Maybe what's really behind all the stress and anxiety and the weariness is that we have functionally stopped coming to Jesus. Yeah, and then we're still in church. I mean, here you are, okay? There are people around you that would be so proud of you for being here today. And yet, for most of us, life doesn't look a whole lot different than my next door neighbor who professes no faith in Jesus at all. 
And I wonder if the reason why is because functionally we've stopped coming to Jesus. You get stressed, you get weary, you get worried. We go to Netflix or a video game or the gym or a bottle because it's a good distraction. But we just keep maintaining a lifestyle that frustrates the restoration of our souls. 20 years ago, there were three fishing boats that sank off the coast of New England. And the strange thing about these three boats, all three of them sank. They didn't have a hole in the hole. They all were captained by expert veteran captains. Been at it for decades. But the reason why they sank is because they were, they were hauling uh, crabs. So a crab trap will weigh about 300 pounds until it's full of crabs. And then it'll weigh about 3,000 pounds. And these ships were designed to carry 10 clam traps. And so one guy thought, I'm going to get ahead of my competitors, and I'm going to add one more clam trap. And the other competitors looked over and went, hey, he's got more than 10 on there. Let's add two more. So now we've got one ship with 11 and two with 12, and they get where they're going okay. They come back and they say, let's do 13. And the others go, count, count those clap traps. He's got 13. Look at him. Let's add 15. And slowly, you see where this is going, right? So slowly, the, the, the weight of those clams started pressing those ships deeper and deeper and deeper until they started taking on water. And by that time, it was too late. And they all sank, lost everything. And this really is my concern for God's people. We look around at everybody carrying more clams than us. And we get jealous. And I just want to get you a vision of the end of that. Because that ship will sink. I'm not a prophet of bad news today. I, I come today with affection for God's people. I love God's people. I, I love you because you love God. But I come today to open the word of God just to say, how you doing? Because if, if in the presence of God today, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that. But if in the presence of God today, you would say, God, in all honesty, I'm not well. Here's what he says. 
you've come to me. Matthew 11. And the only thing he requires is if you're weary and burdened. Those are Jesus' requirements for coming to him. A lot of times we think, well, he'd never take me. I'm a wreck. No, he says, if you're weary and burdened, come to me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you rest. Okay? So part of that sounds passive, and it is, because you cannot apprehend the peace of God. But what you can do is posture yourself to receive it. And here's, here's what I'm asking you to do. Is if at some point today and every day, if you'll shut down whatever noise, screens, phones, whatever it is, shut it down. And sit before God and just say, God, I need you. And here's what will happen. Is that it may be five minutes today. And there's going to be something so delicious about that. I'm telling you, God is irresistible. If people could see God for who he really is. They'd run to him. melt in his arms and he extends a hand to you today so I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes so many of us today would say you know what that all sounds good pastor but if you knew what I've been doing You'd know better than to think that God would ever have anything at all to do with me. What I've looked at, what I've done, what I've fantasized about in my heart, God wouldn't want me. And I'm telling you, today, by the authority of the word of God he says if you're weary and burdened I want you I want you so God we come today and we know that we don't we haven't earned the right to your love and attention we haven't earned it in fact we've disearned it we've done enough for you to turn your back on us forever. And yet, your mercy says, come on back. And so, God, we are not satisfied with being functional atheists. So teach us how to refresh our souls in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.